The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Serve Hour. Insightful, provocative, opinion-shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn. I'm back. It's that time again. Welcome to the Serve Hour and a conversation that matters. Wherever you are and however you may be listening, thank you for making us part of your day. And I have to say, I get to hear this music once a week, and, and I love it. It does fire me up to hear that. Um, I'm Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour, and I invite you to call me. As I know, you'll have some comments regarding today's topic. If you're listening live, you can get me at 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine zero. You can also email me at jblackburn at serve partners, and that's spelled s u r v e partners dot com. And please, if you're listening to our podcast, feel free to email me, and I will try to respond to you during the next broadcast. Our topic today: the art and science of talent attraction development, and retention. And before I begin our discussion, I want to make sure I'm clear about the purpose of our conversation today. If you are a business owner or an executive, the purpose is to contribute to your ability and your organization's ability to attract, develop, and retain talent. In other words, change something or some things that are preventing you and your organization from being as effective as you would like to be or as you'd like your organization to be. The other thing we want to do today is talk to those of you who aren't in management, who want to get into management. If this is something that you're thinking about, today's conversation will help you develop the right mindset as you approach that career opportunity. Also, we have some email questions regarding last week's broadcast about leadership can't be taught, but it can be learned. Kind of interesting questions, by the way. So I will try to respond to those toward the end of today's broadcast. Okay, let's get to today's topic, the art in science of talent attraction, development, and retention. Please allow me to begin. And for those of you who have been listening to this series of broadcasts, you'll probably smile when I say that I want to begin with the R.D. Lang quote that I continue to mention in these broadcasts. Here's the quote. And listen carefully to this. The range of what we think and do 
is limited by what we fail to notice. And because we fail to notice that we fail to notice, there is little we can do to change until we notice that failing to notice limits all that we think and do. The important thing here is what he's saying is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we need to be noticing and looking at that, quite frankly, is right there in front of us to see. So if you want to change or if you're thinking about getting into management, if you want to improve the results of your talent, attract, develop, and retain activities, what do you need to notice? Let's start with your mindset. You ever think about what your thoughts are relative to your business? So in starting with your mindset, I want to begin with saying you must become the art of the talent attraction, development, and retention strategy. And I'm defining art as the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. It's your view of your business. Is your view that you're responsible for growing the business? Or possibly could the view be that you're responsible for growing talent and as a byproduct, your business grows. It's how you relate to your business. What do you focus on? What do you talk about? What do you worry about? And it's how you relate to the people in your business. We call this creating what yet can be from what already exists. This is leading, and this art can't be taught, but it can be learned. Let's begin with noticing how you view your business, how you relate to your business, what you focus on. And remember, what you focus on grows and occupies your thinking. So is your focus on growing your business and as a byproduct, your people grow? Or is your focus on growing and developing your people and as a byproduct, your business grows? And let me clarify something here now. When we talk about growth of people, we're not talking about promotions. I've had many people say to me over the years, when I say, you need to hire people and tell them as a condition of employment, they must continue to grow. And the response is, I can't keep promoting everybody. We're not talking about promoting. Remember our definition of growth is relating to same situations, same relationships differently, becoming more influential. And by the way, you can tell what a business owner or executive is focused on by what they talk about and tend to worry about. Now, when I bring this up to business owners and executives, the usual response I get is it's not practical to focus first on talent than on running the business. So my question for you is, what do you think? If you think that's true, by the way, it is. It's not practical. But allow me to compare a business, your business, to a professional sports franchise. 
NFL, Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, major soccer leagues, after the owner, who is the most visible person in the organization? In my way of thinking, it's the general manager. And let me ask you this question. What is the general manager primarily responsible for? Talent. They oversee the attraction. They oversee the development. They oversee the retention. And that position is probably the most powerful position in the organization next to the owner. And these professional franchises have all the other roles, chief financial officer, chief executive, HR, marketing. They have all that going on. But the general manager is the chief talent officer. And notice who the general manager reports to. Also, let me quote John Chambers, the CEO of Cisco. He is quoted as saying, a world-class engineer with five peers can outproduce 200 regular engineers. I think he's focused on talent when he sees things like that, and his record speaks for itself. Over the past 19 years, he has grown Cisco from an organization of $2 billion in revenue to revenues of close to $50 billion in 2014. Another thing you might want to notice, how you relate to and view the people that work for you. Do you view them as overhead and expense? Or do you view them as an asset and an investment? Now, I'm not an accountant, but I believe payroll and benefit costs are accounted as expenses, as costs. And that being what it is, I need to share with you, if you view your people as overhead, if you view your people as a necessary part of the business that you're obligated to employ and maintain, you are going to struggle attracting, developing, and retaining talented people. Oh, by the way, are you aware that the word talent that just popped into my head has kind of an interesting history? To the ancient Hebrews, Greeks, and Romans, a talent was a unit of weight. Through the exchange of precious metals of that weight, it became a unit of monetary value. So what today is a key source of value creation was thousands of years ago, money. And now it's come full circle. Okay, let's jump into the science of talent attract, develop, retain. And I'm defining science as a body of information, an area of study, an area of discipline. And I'll begin with the principles of talent development. And again, I want to define development and growth. It's the ability to relate to same situations, same relationships 
differently. And it's about becoming more influential. Okay. Principles of talent development. Number one, you must embrace what I'm referring to as a talent mindset. And remember, what you focus on grows. It occupies your thinking. You must view talent as a valuable asset, and you must be able to clearly articulate a profile that is right for you. In a talent profile, think about it. In, in saying that, let me define talent. I'm going to define it as the sum of a person's abilities, his or her intrinsic gifts, skills, knowledge, experience, intelligence, judgment, attitude, character, and drive, as well as the ability to learn and to grow. Let me say that again. When you talk about talent, the generality of talent, and you view talent as a valuable asset, you're talking about people who have intrinsic gifts, skills, knowledge, experience, intelligence, judgment, attitude, character, and drive, as well as the ability to learn and grow. Now, let me give you a couple of quick examples of some experiences I've had where I've gone into organizations that are experiencing low productivity and high turnover. And I'm thinking of one organization that was in the healthcare business. When I met with the owner of the business and the person that was in charge of training and development, I heard these words from the trainer. I really don't care what about what's going on in the lives of these people after 5 o'clock in the afternoon and before 8 o'clock in the morning. I didn't know what to say. But after the meeting and visiting with the owner of the business, I said, I think I can tell you something that may be of help, and that is the view that your director of training and development has of your people is hurting the culture, and it's damaging your ability to retain, to, to attract, retain, and keep good people. Another example of uh, something I observed is meeting with the national sales director of a large sales organization where he professed that talent was their most valuable asset. So I asked him what his budget was for development. And he proudly said $25,000. Now, he had a payroll of $5 million. He had 50 salespeople. I'm guessing maybe the payroll was even more than $5 million. But I said to him, $25,000, wow. Let me see. That's $500 a person. Is that truly valuing talent? Is that truly investing in this asset? And he was surprised by that comment. So, number one, if you have the responsibility, if you own the business, 
if you're developing people, you need to embrace the mindset. It's a top-down, inside-out process, and it's something that just can't be taken for granted. And it has to be more than just speaking about it. It has to be demonstrated. You can see it, quite frankly, when you look at the budgets for training and development. The second point that I want to make, the second principle, is the person responsible for talent must be equal to the CFO in importance. Now, I'm not talking about an HR function here. I'm talking about somebody that's at the level of a CFO that oversees talent similarly to the way a CFO is responsible for overseeing the capital of the business, the revenues of the business, etc. And again, I would use as the example here the general manager of a sports franchise, chief talent officer, and I'll go back to the story I told last week about Les Wexner, who after his epiphany of changing his view of the business after visiting with Jack Welsh and Wayne Calloway of PepsiCo, and saw that the key was talent development, he hired Len Schlesinger, a Harvard Business School organizational development professor, as consultant and confidant, and later Schlesinger became the chief talent officer. So that's principle number two. Number one, you've got to embrace the mindset. Number two, you've got to have someone, if it's not you, that is responsible for this talent asset that is as important in the organization as the chief financial officer. Now, we're coming up on our first break, and I think this may be a good time to take it. This is the serve hour, and you're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with Jim Blackburn, and we are discussing the art and science of talent, attraction, development, retention. When we come back, I want to continue discussing the principles of talent development, and we'll start with principle number three. So I will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. 
Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and we are in conversation about the art and science of talent attraction, development, and retention. And before we took our break, I mentioned that I would continue talking about the principles of talent development. We had spoken in the first segment of the broadcast about you embracing the mindset. That could be a whole program in itself about what that really means, and it needs to be much more than lip service. Uh, The second principle is that you need to have in the organization, if it's not you, a person responsible for talent that has responsibilities that equate to the chief financial officer. And number three, and this is a subtle thing that you need to notice, the third principle is the view of the work purpose of the business. Is the work of the business to grow the business and as a byproduct, you grow people, or is the work purpose of the business to grow the people, and as a byproduct, you grow the business? Now, think about this. We define growth as the ability to become more influential. We define growth as having certain characteristics, i.e., personal responsibility, the ability to solve problems, the ability to relate to same situations, same relationships differently. And what are those situations and relationships? They're the ones that aren't working, the ones that aren't doing or resulting in what would be expected. It's the ability to change. And being able to do that is the sign of a learner. So your view of the work purpose of the business is critically important. If you have people in the business that are contributing, that are growing, what do you think is going to happen to the business? Just by the very definition of the growth of an individual, the business is going to grow. So what you really want to do 
if you're focusing on growing the people, is you have to clarify your definitions of talent, you have to clarify your definitions of growth and development, and you have to clarify your definition of learning. And you need, and I'll talk about this in a minute, to create a culture where learning and work become synonymous. You don't stop working to learn, and you don't stop learning when you have to go to work. That type of an organization, by the way, does not have mandatory meetings. That type of an organization treats employees as volunteers. You want people in the organization who want to be there and who are driven by the underlying meaning of their work. So the third principle is how you view the business. Principle number four, the culture. Your culture is an expression of you. If you have a talent mindset, you will be able to create a culture that includes the spirit of collaboration, inclusion, open, direct communication. And by open, direct communication, we say that it's saying what needs to be heard. It's not offline, i.e. people in a meeting sitting quietly and after the meeting talking about what they should have been talking about in the meeting or talking about someone in the meeting instead of talking to that person in the meeting. We talk about weaving development throughout the organization, again, such that work and learning become synonymous. The other critically important thing of the culture, and this is very difficult, you cannot view yourself as being responsible for keeping people employed. You can't embrace entitlement. You cannot keep people based on obligation. And an obligational employee is somebody that's working there. They've been there a long time. They've done a good job, but today they're not contributing. When you do that, and this sounds harsh, but when you do that, it waters down all your development activities and the people that you're trying to grow, the people that are the high-growth individuals, quite frankly, will start resenting you and those other people. So the important thing here is a culture of openness, collaboration, inclusion, which has a foundation of trust. If there's anything in an organization that undermines talent attraction, development, and retention, it's lack of trust among peers, lack of trust between the workers and management, and lack of trust from management to the workforce. What do we need here? We need clear employee value propositions. I have yet to go into an organization and I've been doing this for over 20 years, who has a clearly articulated employee value proposition. Why do you think that is? Quite frankly, it's because most organizations don't know what it is. They can't articulate it. And when I hear things like, well, what we do here is complex. This, is, this, this work here is really uh, complex and it's hard to explain. 
And when I hear that, I say, no. What you have here is people doing things and hiding out behind the complexities that they say that involves this work when, in fact, they're not as productive as they need to be. So you need clearly defined employee value proposition statements. You need a clear role responsibility statement. That's not a job description. This is something that you recruit to. And a role responsibility statement has an overview statement that says something like this. I am responsible for creating blank that contributes to blank by providing blank. And as the manager, as the owner, as the executive, you would write that statement. Then you hand that to the candidate and say, is this a responsibility that you accept? And when they agree to it, they complete the rest of the role's responsibility statement, which has an area of task and activities. It has an area called key results desired that can be weekly, monthly, quarterly results, and it has the employee value proposition and employment part of the statement. They fill in a lot, if not all of that. Then they need to become responsible for carrying that out. The other thing you want in this culture of collaboration and inclusion is a clear understanding that the learner is responsible for learning. The organization is responsible for making learning available. Therefore, no mandatory training. And, and one of the reasons I say that is when people are in those sessions who want to be there, with people who don't want to be there, the people who don't want to be there are a distraction. Now, I've had companies say to me, Jim, we have to mandate this or they won't come to the training. And my response is, if that's the case, either your training sucks or you've got the wrong people. If you have the appropriate training and development activities going on and you have the right people, they will make the right choices and you won't have to mandate this. Finally, you want to make sure that the employees know the difference between producing and doing stuff. Work has a way of expanding to fit the time available to do it. You want to make sure that you are really clear on your expectations, output, results desired. And you need to be clear on those expectations along with being clear about the consequences of performance and lack of performance. Okay, four principles. Embrace talent mindset. You've got to have somebody at the highest, if not high level of the CFO responsible. You have to have a different view of the purpose of the business. You need a culture that is collaborative, inclusive, and going to principle number five, you need an organization that has a clear ultimate purpose statement that is contributing to the greater good. 
you will recruit to this. If this is critically important. And let me give you some examples of these statements over the years that I've accumulated as I've worked with various organizations. And I would challenge you to tell me the type of business that it is. First one would be, quote, people feeling special. That would be customers. That would be the community. That would be employees. That would be shareholders. People feeling special. This was a gourmet food business. Promoting the value and potential of people. Restoring our American heritage. Think about that. Restoring our American heritage. The owner of this small business here in North Carolina was able to recruit to that. It was a restoration and waterproofing company. Preparing student athletes for excellence in life. I think you heard that last week when I talked about Chris King, who's the athletic director at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. What is your organization's purpose statement? Do you have one? And if you don't, why not? Let me give you one last example. Exceptional patient care above all else. This was a statement that was created at a continuing care facility by the Director of Nursing Services. And this was a statement that cleaned up the misconduct and the inefficiencies within her workforce. She had people that would be doing things or not doing things based on their view of the job as opposed to fully understanding that the touchstone for all decisions was exceptional patient care above all else. So those are the five principles that I want to leave you with, and I want you to understand that this is something that is a top-down, inside-out process and it must be lived by the owner, by the executive, or by the person in charge. Now, let me move to an area that I will refer to as the art and science combined. And remember, art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. So we're going to have to be creative here. We're going to have to think outside the box in science, is the body of knowledge and information, an area of study, and an area of discipline. First, let's talk about attracting talent. Seeking out people of interest, as I call them, is a daily process. It is ongoing. You, you are thinking about this constantly as you interact with people, as you observe people in the workplace, as you observe people in different organizations, et cetera, et cetera. You also need to be thinking about changing your view of hiring. When you're trying to attract people, you want to use the resume as a rejection tool not a selection tool. You want to be clear 
about what you expect the resume to contain, and then an administrative person can screen resumes for you. I'm amazed at how many employers I see reviewing hundreds of resumes, and there are resumes in there with misspelled words, poor English, no cover letters, computer-generated, etc. You need to be able to weed out all of that, which a, a, an administrative person can do, and get to the core of who the candidate is, not what's been their experience work-wise. You look at resumes, and I see from years X to Y, I was with this company, and we achieved all these wonderful things. And the next job was period X to Y. I was with this company. We achieved all these wonderful things. And on and on and on. You don't want to see that when you're getting down to the final decision. What you want to see is how the person thinks, how they've made decisions in the past. Why did you choose the school that you chose? What happened when you found out that the school was more difficult than you thought it might be? What happened when this was your first time away from home? How did you feel when this happened? Demonstrate for me these characteristics. When did you demonstrate personal responsibility in a difficult situation? When did you demonstrate reliability, resilience, resourcefulness? And I could go on about that. Let's jump into development. Development. We want to define growth and development. You have to have a clear definition of that. You want to clarify what it means. Training. And if you're going to limit it to that, as we spoke last week, you're going to have problems. Remember, Learning what other people already know does not cause change. So you want to look at your development activities where there's foundational learning, there's core learning, and there's transformational learning. We want to talk about those things in depth. We can do that. But the idea here, again, is the responsibility for development falls on the learner. Now... We're coming up on our next break. Why don't we take time here to take the break, and then afterwards I want to come back and visit some more about development, and then we're going to jump into retain. This is the Serve Hour, and you're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with Jim Blackburn discussing the art and science of talent attraction, development, and retention. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of The Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. 
Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. You are listening to the Voice America Business Channel and the Serve Hour. I'm Jim Blackburn. And I am discussing the art and science of talent attraction, development, and retention. And I was just going over the development aspect of this scenario. One of the things that I highly recommend, and if you recall now, we're saying that we have a person comparable to a CFO overseeing talent. As part of the development process, there should be a review at least quarterly of all the talent in the organization. And the review needs to be done by the highest level people in the organization. We call this the MAM, M-A-M, meeting, which is Measure, Assess, Monitor. It's a process where we look at potential and performance of employees, and we rank them. And if you'll recall again my Les Wexner story, when he had his epiphany, he asked his HR people to give him a list of the top 100 people in the organization, and they couldn't do it. And when they finally put a list together, he realized he didn't know most of these people. Well, it's critical in the development of your people, which directly impacts their productivity, it directly impacts your retention, etc. You need to have the highest level people there, and you need to have a session. And I'm not talking about a half hour, an hour discussion. I am talking about a full day meeting where these people are discussed, who's progressing, who's flatlined, and who's falling behind. And all these people will be eventually moved on this chart as they progress or as they decline. They cannot stand still. Now, 
The last point I want to make is the retention point. And again, this is critically important. If you are going to have retention of your high-growth people, you must have an employee value proposition that is a draw. And I'm not talking about comfort. High-growth people like to be challenged. They like to be given opportunities. They want to grow. I was talking with an employer a number of years back in Chicago when I said, why would a high-growth person want to work for you? And his response was, because we have good pay, we have great benefits, we have a wonderful work environment, we have a great location in the city. And I said to him, no, those are all comfort statements. What you want is to provide them with opportunities, opportunities to grow, opportunities to stretch, to be challenged. Those are the things that high-growth people are looking for. So you need that employee value proposition. The other thing I want to remind you of is a primary responsibility as a leader is that you're creating employment and career opportunities. So what you want to be able to do, and this flies against pretty much every business organization that I've been in, you want to be able to compensate based on levels of contribution to the ultimate business purpose, not the level of organizational or hierarchical rank. This plays out in organized sports. Who are your highest paid people? They're not the general managers. They're not the coaches. They're the athletes. Think about that. And the other thing is their compensation is public. Why are we keeping everybody's pay private? Why are we saying we don't want so-and-so to know what I'm doing with this person over here because then I'd have to increase their pay? If you have a collaborative, inclusive, open culture, pay, compensation is open. And I know there are a lot of people that are shaking their heads right now saying, you know, Blackburn's nuts. We just can't do that. I believe that it can be done, and it is done in organized sports. The other thing is you want to make sure that you continually remember that healthy employment relationships are based on reciprocity. I used to say to my salespeople, who were out calling on sales organizations. If you aren't offered an opportunity once a month, you're not doing your job. And if you leave my organization to take one of those offers, shame on me. If I am not providing you with the value you need as an employee to grow and to prosper, you should leave. So, The idea, again, is attracting, developing, retaining people. It needs to become part of the DNA of the organization. It needs to become the mindset of leadership. It needs to become the focus. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to get to some emails from our uh, previous broadcast, and I have some time. I believe we can do that remaining. Last week's broadcast was about the upside-down approach to organizational change. 
And one of the things that I talked about was new knowledge does not cause change. Learning what other people does not cause, what other people know does not cause change. So the first email, which won't surprise you, is, Jim, I don't understand why new knowledge doesn't cause change. Let me share a couple of examples of why I believe that. First, when I was a young insurance agent, I was selling life insurance in Columbus, Ohio. I shared this story, I believe, in our our broadcast last week. The word among the agents was you need to be in the business market. That's where the money is. It's easier to get a check from a company than it is an individual. So I took all the courses. I took Life Underwriter Training Council course. I learned about sub-S's, corporations, partnerships, sole proprietorships. I learned about deferred compensation. I learned about buy-sell agreements, stock redemption agreements. I learned all that stuff. And I got a certificate. I had it framed. I put it on my wall. I was qualified. But guess what? Every Saturday morning when I met with my sales manager, he says, Jim, you're not making any calls. Why aren't you calling on businesses? And my response would always be, you know, I know that. I will. I just, you know, I've gotten preoccupied with some other stuff. I'll get to that. My sales manager was asking me the wrong questions. My sales manager should have said, I see you're not making calls on businesses. What is your belief about small business owners? He would have heard, I don't believe I have anything to offer them. I... I believed at that point in my career, in my life, anybody that was older than me that owned a business was smarter than me and knew everything I already knew. So I didn't believe I had anything to offer. That was why the behavior didn't change. Now remember, new knowledge, learning what other people already know, does not cause change. And that is one example of that. Let me share another personal example. I had the privilege of being sent to the Harvard Business School by an employer. I was there for 14 weeks. It was a program that still is conducted at Harvard called the Program for Management Development. And it was a phenomenal experience. I met people from all over the world. It was a concentrated six days of classes for 14 straight weeks. What changed? When I got back to Columbus, Ohio, the only thing that changed was I probably had a sense of I was more important than when I left. Nothing in my behavior changed. Nothing in my management style changed. Nothing changed. But I spent the 14 weeks. I learned all about finance. I learned all about accounting. Quite frankly, it was like a crash MBA course. So I still contend that knowledge in and of itself does not cause change. And what's necessary is to go beyond that, which is a segue into our next email. It says, Jim, does foundational learning contribute to the core and transformational learning that you talked about? Well, let me go back to last week again. I talked about what I referred to as transformational learning, which is 
three tiers or three levels of learning. The foundational level, and I had the listeners draw a rectangle at the bottom of a page and put the word foundation in, and it's about new knowledge, new skills, new capabilities, learning what other people already know. And then the next level was the core, which is what this email is asking about. In the core, it's new thoughts, new beliefs, and new behaviors. And that's where change occurs, by the way. New thoughts lead to new beliefs, lead to new behaviors. So if you think about me as that young insurance agent, had my sales manager gotten me up into the core and got into my belief system, he would have been able to help me change the behavior by changing my belief. And then the top level is the transformational part of it, a new way of being which leads to new choices, which leads to a new identity. When you behave differently in same situations and you behave differently with same relationships, your identity changes. People start seeing you differently. So let me go back now to the question. Does foundational learning, this is the foundation at the bottom, contribute to core and transformational learning? My answer to that is it depends on who the learner is. If the person is in foundational learning to get a diploma, to get a designation, etc., I'd say no. Let me give an example of this. My middle son dropped out of college and eventually got a job working for a credit card organization where he was the only person in the department without a college degree. And I remember him coming to me and saying one day, I want to go back to school. And I said, why? And he said, but you've always said that, you know, we need to get a college degree. And I said, what do you want a college degree for? I said, you're currently working with people who have college degrees. You've gotten that first job without graduating from college. That requires a college degree. Now, if you want to go back to school to learn, go back to school. If you want to go back to school just to get a diploma, don't do it. So the idea, again, is if you're in foundational learning, what you want to do is press the person to start thinking and challenge beliefs, which takes them into the core. And core learning is facilitated. It's not taught. Last email question, and I'm not sure we're going to have time for me to get to it, is I understand foundational learning and how it works, but how do you facilitate core and transformational learning? I'll summarize that quickly with you promote the value and potential of the person. You ask and listen. You give them voice. When you give a person voice and you genuinely care, you're promoting their sense of feeling valued and heard. You ask. You don't tell you don't advise. You make observations and you challenge thinking. Now, we're coming up on a close. And as we approach the end here, I want to talk about briefly the takeaways I'd like for you to take today. First, 
you must be the art. You must embrace it. It must be part of your DNA of talent, attract, develop, and retain of your organization. Secondly, you need to truly clarify the talent profile that is right for your organization, as well as create an employee value proposition. And finally, you must weave development throughout your culture, where work and learning become synonymous. Our next broadcast will be Wednesday, August 19th, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's been a pleasure visiting with you over the past hour about talent development, attraction, retention. I want to thank you for sharing part of your day with me. This has been the Serve Hour, and I'm Jim Blackburn. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to the Serve Hours Provocative Conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.